Amen. I'm just going to read one verse to you here tonight. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 1, verse 8, in the King James Version, Acts 1, 8. As you're turning there, I want to say it's such my delight to be here with you this evening. Amen. How many of you know the Holy Ghost still moves on Sunday nights? Amen. Amen. I can remember many years ago, my mom received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night service. As a matter of fact, it was actually a healing service. She always had really bad inner ear problems. And my mom, being the great woman of faith that she was, she went forth. And the pastor, he put his hand on her ear. And when he did, she screamed very loudly. And I was sitting on the third row at the time at my home church, Pleasant Grove Church of God. And she came over to where I was. And she said, Caleb, God healed my ear. But not only did he heal her ear, he also filled her with the Holy Ghost as well. How many of you know God's still doing it today? Amen. I want to say thank you so much, Pastor uh, Jonathan, for inviting me to come. Well, I want to say it's uh, just so good to be here with you tonight and to worship the Lord freely. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto, Jude- unto Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the other most part of the earth. Here tonight, Evangel, I want to talk to you about the Holy Ghost power. Amen. Is the power on here tonight? If you would, please bow your heads with me here tonight. Lord, I pray that you just continue to have your way in the service. Lord, I pray that you will just touch us. Lord, I know that most of these people are on their way to heaven. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. But Lord, I pray here tonight that you touch us in a supernatural way. Lord, we need this Holy Ghost power here today if we are going to be who it is you've called us to be and if we are going to carry out the mission of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have your way here tonight, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and I ask, let everybody say amen. 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 Jesus, after being crucified on the cross, he resurrected three days later and he spent some time with his disciples. He told them that it was expedient for them that he must leave, for if he would not leave, then the comforter would not come. Talking about the Holy Ghost. His disciples were with him, and all of a sudden he was raptured up from their sight and set down at the right hand of the Father. Here it is that they stand up and they are glazing into the heavens, and two men of white apparel appeared unto them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here glazing into the heavens? The same way in which this Jesus left is the same way that he'll return. Church, I have a question for you here tonight. I know it's 2019. I know you've been hearing it for all of your life. Some of you have been hearing it probably for 60 or 70 years by now, but how many of you still believe that he's coming back one day? I believe that one day he's going to come back and he's going to take us home. But how many of you realize and understand that until he takes us home or until they put us six feet under, whichever one should come first, can I tell you, church, that we still have work to do? For my, I remind you that Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers out into the harvest because the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. We are so blessed to live in the South, to live in the Bible Belt. My goodness, it's like you can throw a rock, it bounces off five or six churches before it touches down. But can I tell you, friends, that there is still much work to be done. 
One thing that discourages me, we don't hear it at this church, but some other churches that I've been at is people always gripping and complaining about the membership and this church trying to take their members and all this stuff. And I know pastors in certain denominations, they get a little mad and frustrated because the overseer won't let them go visit another church or interview at another church. And it's like our overseer, Terry Hart, said a couple years ago. He said, hey, instead of getting mad at me because I won't let you interview at a bigger church with a bigger salary and all that stuff, he said, why don't you just go ahead and have revival at your own church and then you won't be wanting to leave. Friends, can I tell you something here tonight? I know some people may have left Evangel and went to church up the road or church down the street. Hey, but you got to learn to bless them when they come in and bless them when they go out. And hey, let's just be honest. If you'll keep a nice attitude and love on people when they go out, my goodness, you might be surprised that some of them may make a U-turn and come back one day if they see that the grass isn't truly greener. But friends, can I tell you here tonight that we have a work to do for the Lord. But one thing that saddens me is we have a lot of people that are discouraged in this day and age. We have a lot of people that are sidetracked. A lot of people that are distracted. Here it is, 2019 is over halfway over with, and 2020 is just six months away. Friends, can I tell you, I'm dreading it already. Why is that? Because I know God's going to move in a supernatural way. I know God is going to be up to great things in 2020, but can I just be totally honest for just a moment? It's a political year. It's a campaign year, and what's going to happen? You're going have a bunch of Christians get on Facebook and Twitter and social media, act like they're not even saved, call each other names, talk about this, talk about that. People are going to make an apology, then two or three days later, they're going to do the same thing over. Can I be honest with you? It makes me nauseous, makes me want to vomit. And I think to myself, I understand that these things might be important. I understand all of that. But church, I want to tell you, if you're a child of God and filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't need to be wrapped up in things that don't matter on the earth, but you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You need to be reminded that if you receive the Holy Ghost power, you've been endured with power from on high. Power for what? Power to speak in tongues. That's the beginning, but that's not the ending. Can I tell you something, friends? We've been endured with power to be a witness. We need to be a witness in Mount Olive. We need to be a witness in Gardendale, in Morris, in Corner, in Kimberly. My goodness, wherever you live, wherever it is that you go, you are called to be a witness. This is not something that is limited to just preachers or clergy. But how many of you realize and understand the day that you got saved, you were entered into the ministry? Might I remind you, there was nothing special about the disciples. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that some of them were unlearned. Some of them were uneducated. You had different disciples that came from different areas of life and different occupations. Luke was a physician. Matthew was a tax collector. Peter was a fisherman. Jesus himself was a carpenter. But friends, I want to tell you, it it doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. It doesn't matter if you're GED or PhD. Can I tell you here tonight, the day that you got saved, you were entered into the ministry. And it is your Christian responsibility and obligation to tell everybody about the Lord Jesus Christ. We have people. They do not understand in the time and the day in which we live in. All that they see is darkness and negativity, but however, they seem to forget that God is still in control. Jesus Christ still sits at the right hand of the Father. And can I tell you, friends, the Holy Ghost has not lost his power all throughout the age of time. Here it was that Jesus gave the disciples a promise. 
told them that they would be endured with power from on high. Me growing up in the Methodist church, I was a little ignorant of this type of power. I didn't know anything about it. Now, please understand something. The church in which that I grew up in before I swapped over to being Pentecostal to the Church of God was a Methodist church in Pleasant Grove. It's actually just right around the corner from the church that I go to now. I was never taught against speaking in tongues, but however, I never knew about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I never knew about an individual prayer language. The only thing that I ever knew was about a message and interpretation. Now, reading through the book of Acts, I asked my pastor about it one day. I said, here it is. These men are all speaking in tongues. Can you please explain this to me? And my pastor, they had been to the Methodist Seminary. He told me, he said, Caleb, he said, I'm just going to be honest. He said, I really don't know what to tell you. He said, I believe it happened. He said, it's in the Bible. So obviously you got to do something with it. But he said, honestly, I don't know what to tell you. At this time, I was back and forth. I was going to the Methodist Church on Sundays, going to Church of God on Wednesdays. He said, so next time you go to Church of God, church, ask them to explain it to you. And so I did just that. I I said, I need you to explain something to me. I said, I just don't understand. I said, the church that I grew up in, the pastor said, let's pray. He prays and everybody listens. And then I said, but I come over here at this church, pastor said, let's pray. And everybody's praying. And some of them are praying in a language that I don't understand. And they said, okay, well, that's a baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said, this is interesting. I said, I don't really know much about it. I never forget one summer, they decided to teach on it all throughout the summer. I believe I was 15, 16 years old, something like that. They began telling me that it was for everybody. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean that it's for everybody? I'm reading about the nine gifts of the Spirit, and it says that one has this gift and one has that gift. What do you mean? And they began explaining to me and telling me. They said, yes. They said some will have the gift that they can give out a message, and some have the gift that they can interpret. But however, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for anybody and everybody who wants it. I can remember that I I was sharing this with some friends of mine as I went back to the other church. And they said, well, they said, Caleb, I can't really disprove that. I don't know, but I don't really know what to tell you. So here it is. I'm having a hard time. My parents not really understanding it either. My mom grew up Baptist. My dad grew up Methodist as well. I tried talking to them. I said, one church is saying this, another one saying that. I'm all confused. Can somebody please explain to me? And my dad, he said, Caleb, he said, I don't know what to tell you. Honestly, I don't understand it all either. He said, but you're just going to have to pray and seek God. So I said, you know what? I don't understand everything that's going on at the Church of God Church, but God, if it's really for everybody, if this is something that you are really filling people with here today, and if it's really important, then my goodness, I want to get me some of that. So all of a sudden, I began seeking the Holy Ghost. I went to youth camp. I went to every service I could. I'd go to camp meeting. And the Church of God, they have this big thing every March called Winterfest. They have about 25, 30-something thousand people that go to Knoxville, Tennessee, every single year. And one year they had about 5,000 young people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. However, Caleb Gordon did not. And I started to get frustrated. started to say, man, I don't understand. Why is everybody getting it but yet I can't seem to get it? And I started to say, forget this whole thing. I'm going back to the Methodist church. But on second thought, I decided to stick with it. I never will forget. It was a Tuesday night service during revival at my home church two days before my 18th birthday. 
birthday. I said, God, I said, I want you more than I want my next breath. And if the Holy Ghost is still filling people here today, I want it more than I want anything. And all of a sudden, I heard the pastor's wife on the stage just a few moments later is on the praise team. She said, he's got it. And opened up my eyes and said, got what? And they said, Caleb, don't stop. You just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, I did what? And all of a sudden, my mom was sitting on the third row. They go and grab her. She comes and she's standing beside me, tears running down her eyes because she hears her son speaking in tongues for the first time. Friends, I want to tell you something. It's alive. It's able. It's real. My goodness, if Caleb Gordon can receive it, as stubborn, as hard-headed as I am at times, if I can go to a service and thousands of people get it, but yeah, I kept on seeking it. My friends, if I can receive it, anybody can receive it. If my mom could receive it in her 60s, I want to tell you something. You can receive it here today. Can I tell you something? That it's not biased toward age. It's not biased toward race. It's not biased toward what denomination you grew up in. The truth be told, it's not even just for Pentecostals. Now, this may shock you, but of course, with me being a Church of God minister's license in the COG, I would say a high 90-something percent, probably 95 percent of the time I preach, it's in a Church of God church or Assembly God church or an independent Pentecostal church. But believe it or not, I actually still to this day preach in some non-Pentecostal churches. They don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but can I tell you something? After I get through preaching, they see that it's real. You want to know how I preach in some of those churches? The same way that I'm preaching to you. The funny thing is, they don't really understand or know what it is. It's like one person said, I don't know what this is that I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something I've never felt before. And I said, friend, that's the Holy Ghost. I'll go to a Baptist church. Uh, one of them comes to my mind, Liberty Free Will Baptist in Vernon, Alabama, Northwest Alabama, almost in Mississippi, give the altar call, and the place just packed out with Baptist people that are seeking the Lord. Can I tell you, God's filling the Baptist. He's filling the Methodist. Can I tell you, there are some Catholics that receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you here today, you're not confined just to receiving it in a church service. One of my best friends named Matthew Hart, last year when I preached the revival at Evangel, I preached a Sunday through Thursday. He came that Thursday night, and he told me, he said, Caleb, do you know where my wife received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And I I said, no, Matt. I said, what church was she at? He said, Caleb, she wasn't at church at all. He said, it was just me and her at the kitchen table and we just began praying and she received it right there at the kitchen table. Friends, do you realize and understand you can receive it at Walmart's parking lot? I've known people that have received it at Subway. I joke with you not. You can receive it at the kitchen table, but let me just encourage you here tonight. You can receive it here tonight at the Evangelist Assembly of God if you've yet to been filled. Friends, I want to tell you we need to be endured with power so we can be great witnesses it's not just about becoming bilingual but it's about the power we receive Paul said I pray in tongues more than you all friends if Jesus told the disciples that they need to be endured with power don't you think that we need that here today? Amen. We have some churches here today that it seems like they've turned the power off and they don't want it to come on. I'm not talking about non-Pentecostal churches. I'm talking about some Assembly God and Church of God churches. Can I tell you, friends, when you go and you preach on the Holy Ghost, the honest truth be told, as sad as it is, 
there were some places you will never be invited back to. But can I tell you, shame on that pastor. I can remember when I was a teenager, I was on my way to heaven and I was saved. But I never forget, I woke up one day, this is before I started going to the church of God, before I knew about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I woke up one day, I was having a very intimate conversation with the Lord, and I said, Lord, I said, there has to be more to this thing. I said, is this really all that there is to the Christian journey? I didn't know what I was seeking, but deep down in my spirit, I just felt like there was more. And friends, I want to tell you something here today. I received it when I was 17 years old. I'm 30 years old to this day, and I've never been the same since. Somebody asked me one time, they said, well, what did you preach like before you got the Holy Ghost? Truth be told, I don't know, because God didn't allow me to, to start preaching until after after I received it. You want to know an interesting fact? I don't know if it's this way, Assembly of God, but can I tell you, in the church of God, the nomination I'm in, when you go to apply for your ministerial license, one question and requirement on there is that you must be baptized with the Holy Ghost. I can remember looking over that when I was 19 or, or 18, however, however old I was at the time. I was like, hmm, that's very interesting. And somebody said, well, what does it you mean that that's a requirement? Well, friends, I want to tell you, because what we need is we need men and women of God that are filling the pulpits that are filled with the Holy Ghost. But you want to know when we're going to have revival, it's not just when the pulpit is filled with it, but it's when you got the pew that's filled with it as well. One thing that blows my mind at times, and I understand why at times and the anointing and all that different stuff, I get it. But one thing that's blown my mind is you have people that are filled with the Holy Ghost that will say, hey, pastor or preacher, we need you to come play with this person over here. Hey, I don't mind. But if you see I'm praying with somebody over here, why don't you go ahead and you start praying with them? And when I finish up with this person, then I'll mosey my way over there. But friends, I want to tell you something. If you're a child of God and filled with the Holy Ghost, my goodness, you have the power that Jesus talked about. Might I remind you here today that this power is not limited. Can I tell you this power is alive and able. This is the power that when you preach the word, that there are manifestations that will take place. Blind eyes can begin to open. Cancer can dry up and fall off of people. Broken marriages can be put back together. People that are alcoholic will say, forget this nonsense. I don't need it anymore, but I need the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something, friends? People all of a sudden can get up out of wheelchairs. It can take somebody that at one time was a coward, somebody that denied Christ three times, that didn't want to speak his name, and all of a sudden turn him into a powerful Pentecostal preacher and thousands of people people got saved and baptized all because one man stood up on the day of Pentecost and said these men are not drunk as ye suppose. I want to tell you something church. We need to go on a good spiritual drunk again but I'm not talking about on alcohol. I'm not talking about on beer or wine or booze but friends we need to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. I want to ask you, church, is the power on? Is it on at your house? I had somebody ask me just the other day. They said, Caleb, they said, I went on a mission trip. They went to Orlando, and they said that we flew down there and back. And they said, Caleb, while we were flying back, I don't even know how we got on this discussion, but all of a sudden, we started talking about speaking in tongues. 
And she said, Caleb, this lady used to go to Metropolitan Church of God, but now she goes to Church of the Highlands. And she was telling me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She said, I've been a Christian for most of my life. This lady's in her mid-40s now. She said, but I honestly have never heard of it. I've never been taught on it, didn't know anything about it. And so I asked my friend, I said, do you actively speak in tongues? And she said, yes. She said, I don't do it very much at my church, but she said, my private life, I do it all the time. And she, and, um, and she said, do you know much about this? And I said, well, actually, I'm Church of God as well. She said, really? She said, I knew that you preached, but I didn't know that you were Pentecostal. She said, so you mean to tell me that you speak in tongues? I said, yes. And she said, do you mind asking me, or do you mind me asking you, how regularly and often do you do it? And I said, only about 365 days out of the year. And, I, and she said, really? She said, so you can do it like that? And I said, yes. I said, it's the best thing ever. And I just began to explain the woman, uh, explain it to the woman because she didn't understand. And I said, Romans said that you know not how you ought to pray, and that's why it's important to pray in the Spirit. Friends, I want to tell you, we must pray in the Spirit like never before. The Bible says in the book of Jude, Dearly beloved, build yourselves up on the most holy faith by what? By praying in the Holy Ghost. You have some people today that are sad, that are broken, they're disgusted, and they're depressed out of their mind. And can I tell you, I would not make a very good pastor for a number of reasons. One of the reasons being, when you come to me for a problem or issue, hey, we can, I'm here for you. I love you. We can counsel all day and all night. But at the end of it, we're going to get down on our hands and knees, and we're going to have a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. And as soon as you get up and start to leave, I'm going to pull you back down and say, do you feel better? And if you say no, we're going to get back down and we're going to pray again. You want to know how I made it through every trial, every tribulation, through every everything that I've been through on this earth, it's because I go into the prayer closet and I pray till I feel the power of God come on me. Might I remind you, I pray till I feel the comforter. I want to tell you, the next time you have a problem, ain't nothing wrong with talking to somebody. Ain't nothing wrong with going to your pastor. But at the end of the day, my question for you is, you've complained about it, you've bickered about it, you probably already made a Facebook post telling all everybody about it, but my goodness, have you prayed about it and taken it to your Father in heaven. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Can I tell you today, the best ability is availability. Have you made yourself available to work in the harvest? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, whom shall we send? And that's when the prophet said, Lord, send me, I'll go. Church, I want to tell you, if we're going to carry out the Great Commission, we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. But it's not enough just to receive it one time during an altar call, but we must allow him to speak through us and to operate through us on a daily basis. One problem that I think that we have at times in church, people try to turn the power on on Sunday but then they turn it off on Monday. Just the other day, I had to replace the light bulb at the house. And my son, he wanted to try it out after I plugged the light bulb in. I said, sure, Caleb, Caleb Jr. He goes and tries it out. Well, you know, an adult's just going to flick it on and off, and that's it. He flicks it on and off, on and off, on and off. I said, son, you, you're going to have the light bulb explode. I said, stop. I'm going to have to go buy another one. Kept turning it on and off. 
But the problem is we have some adults that try to do the same thing. Can I tell you something? When you really get filled with it, there is no turning it off. It's just always on. Now, understand something. I'm always respectful when I go to other churches, or at least I try to be anyways. But can I tell you something? I am who God wants me to be. Amen. Church, it's time that we turn the power on. It's time that we allow the Holy Ghost to fill us and we allow him to use us for the glory of God. One thing that I find interesting is you have people that receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but however, they don't allow any of the non-other gifts of the spirits to flow through them. They say something like, well, I don't want to be disruptive during service or, or this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, my goodness, if you're a child of God, don't you know when it's God and when it's your flesh? Amen. But church, I want to tell you, if you will leave the power on, there will be people that will be searching for a church where the spirit of God is moving and where the river of Pentecost is still flowing. I don't know about you, but me, honestly, I don't get caught up so much in denominations. I don't care if you're Church of God, Assembly of God, I don't care if you're Baptist, you're Methodist, if you're independent, non-denominational. I couldn't give one rip. I don't care if you're Catholic. Just give me somebody that loves God. Give me somebody that's got a prayer life. Give me somebody that likes spending time in the Word. And my goodness, we may not agree on everything, but you can bring them all to me. I'm going to lay my hands on all of them like Paul did and say, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something, friends? It's available to everybody. In Acts chapter 2 you have the initial outpouring where the disciples received it and Peter preached that great sermon. But then in Acts chapter 4 well Acts chapter 3 you have a man that was a beggar and, and uh, Peter said look at me and he said silver and gold I have none but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And the man that was a beggar that everybody knew was lame. He began leaping, praising God, running and rejoicing. The, uh, the scribes and the elders didn't like it so they laid hands on them brought them in in Acts chapter 4 and they said, you will not speak any more of this name. And Peter, being the bold person he was, filled with the Holy Ghost at that time, said, he said, what do you mean we will not speak any more in this name? And they went back to their own after laying hands laid on them. They began praying, and the Bible says the Holy Ghost shook the praise, and they all spake in tongues, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Might I remind you that there was a division in the early church between the Jews and the Gentiles. What was it over? It was over circumcision. The, the the Jews did not want to baptize the Gentiles in water, but however, they had already been baptized with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 19, 1 through 6, Paul arrives in Ephesus. He comes across some disciples there. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed. It's amazing. Some people's theology, they think that, you, uh, that you're that you not saved until you speak in tongues. But however, Paul said, since you believe. So, and they said, we've not heard whether or not there is a Holy Ghost. And he said, well, what baptism you been baptized in? And they said, John. And the Bible all of a sudden says that Paul laid his hands on them and all 12 men, they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. I want to tell you something, church. The power is still on. The Holy Ghost is alive and able. And I want to tell you, he he wants to fill you here today. It amazes me how some Pentecostal people say, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost 20, 30, 40 something years ago. And I'm thinking to myself, that's great to be proud of it. That's great to take pride in it. But when's the last time you opened up your mouth and allowed the Spirit of God to pray through you? 
church, I want to tell you something. Now's not the time to turn the power off, but it's time to turn the power on. One time I was preaching at church in Tuscaloosa. If I could go back in time, I don't know if I would even win or not. The pastor wanted to have me come preach on a Wednesday night. And this is why I said that, because he did something that most pastors never do when they schedule me to come preach for the first time. He said, before you come a Wednesday night, he said, before I schedule you, he said, first, you, I want you to come and to visit with us. I'm thinking, well, this is a little different. You know, I live in Birmingham. I'm going to have to miss my home church now on a night that I'm not even preaching. I said, but sure, just this one time, I will. Always thought it was kind of odd, felt a little iffy about it in my spirit. It's like, this is a little different. Seems like a nice guy, but sure, what's it going to hurt? And the reason he wanted me to come is not what I expected. I thought he'd have me sit on the front row beside him and, stand, and have me stand up and say, this is Caleb Gordon. I just want you to get acquainted with him and meet him and greet him. He's going to be coming back soon to the church to minister. No, he wanted me to come, and I joke with you not, these are his exact words. He wanted me to come on a Wednesday night before I preach to see how they do things. He told me that. I'm thinking, okay, this is a little different than what I'm used to, but cool, I see how you do things. Now I'm thinking to myself, when I come, we're going to let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do. Amen. Not trying to be disrespectful. I didn't say anything out of line. I didn't preach hard. I never preach hard. Amen. I just preach the truth. Seriously. But all I did, I remember what I preached on years ago. And when I gave the altar call, the people were engaged the whole message. I gave the altar call and the altar was filled with people. People that were laying down on their stomachs. People that were knelt down praying. People that were standing there like this with their arms raised and tears running down their eyes. And I'm thinking to myself, God, thank you for the move of the Spirit. And I began praying with people, laying hands on people, thinking, my goodness, I know this is just a Wednesday night service. And it's during the school year and everybody's got work and school tomorrow. But as far as I'm concerned, we need to come back tomorrow night on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We just need to let this thing keep going. And, and a couple months go by and I said hey pastor such and such how are things going he said doing he said doing well and I said well really had a great time the other night I said I'd love to come back sometime he said I'll call you and I said oh okay and I'm thinking all right maybe he'll call me next year so waited and called him next year and all of a sudden he acted like he didn't know who I was calling anymore all of a sudden he wasn't he wasn't answering any of my phone calls wasn't responding to my text messages and it always bothered me and he recorded the sermon and put it on YouTube so I went back and I watched my sermon like half a dozen times listening very closely and very intently just to see if there was anything that I said perhaps that was out of order. I was examining myself to see did I say anything that was in my flesh? Did I say anything that wouldn't get me invited back? And it always bothered me, and he would never have me back, and I never understood why. Years later, I go to preach at an, at an independent church in Northport, and there were a number of people at that church that already knew me my first time to preach there. And I asked them. They came up and talked to me. I said, just curious. I don't preach in Northport, Tuscaloosa very often. Honestly, only at a handful of churches all throughout the year. How do you know who I am? And they said, Caleb, the reason that we know who you are is because we heard you preach, and I'm not going to say the name, 
but at such and such as church years ago. I said, oh, really? I said, you know what? I said, for whatever reason, that pastor never had me back. And they said, Caleb, we're not shocked. When you were preaching and the Holy Ghost was moving, we knew you wasn't going to be back right then and there because that's not what he wants. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I feel a whole lot better. At least now I know I didn't get in my flesh. At least now I know I didn't say anything offensive or give my opinion, but simply the only thing that happened was the Holy Ghost moving. Lesson learned. The next time a pastor says, we want you to come see how we do things, I'm going to say, uh-uh. But thanks for the invitation. I'm going to do something else because I want to be honest. I don't want to see how nobody does things. I don't want to see the evangel way. I don't want to see the Pleasant Grove Church of God way, but I want to see the Holy Ghost way. I want the Holy Ghost to show up and to show out. He may disrupt the program. Something may go a little differently than the way that we thought, but my goodness, how many of you know it's all about him and it's not about us? Whenever I go to preach at churches, sometimes pastors kind of feel an obligation that I have to preach because I'm there. And I tell them, I don't care if I drove 10 minutes up the road or over a thousand miles to get there. If the Holy Ghost is moving and people are worshiping, you don't have to stop it, don't have to slow it down. I'm not worried if I preach because how many of you know the Holy Ghost can minister a thousand times better than I ever could? I want to tell you something, church. Now it's time we turn the power on and we allow the power to stay on and allow God to do what he wants to do. I want to tell you something, friends. I believe that a great move of God is coming. Now, y'all know I'm a bold personality. I preach in 12 different states, and September's going to be 13. I've been, I've been to Michigan twice the last three months. Have not actually preached up there yet. Preaching for the first time in Michigan in September. I went up there in uh, March and also uh, in June. And Kip Botts, administrative bishop, he's over the whole Church of God for the state of Michigan. He had me come to their conferences twice and recommend me to all their, uh, all their pastors. And the reason why I believe this or not, in the Church of God in the state of Michigan, there are no evangelists. And it's not just in Michigan, it's a number of states as well. Not many people are really doing it anymore. But however, in Michigan, they're believing for revival. And there was one pastor that he came up to me and he talked to me. And he asked me, he said, is this just a temporary thing? And I said, what do you mean? Is this a temporary thing? And he said, well, Kip Box is from Alabama. You're from Alabama. We see that him and Raymond Culpepper are promoting you. Is this just a temporary thing? I said, friend, let me explain something to you. Yes, me and Kip Box are from the same state, but I didn't come to Michigan because he's here, but I came up here because the Holy Ghost wanted me here. And it's like I told the man, I joke with you not, God put Michigan in my heart a long time ago. I just now finally made it up there. And so the pastor was talking to me, trying to get to know me and me being me some see one of my biggest downfalls is I don't know when to keep my mouth shut amen can I just be honest with you I don't have a filter I never have. I've been to counseling about it. I prayed about it. I got in trouble when I was a kid. The truth be told, 30 years old, I don't have a filter. I'm never going to have one. The only thing I can do is keep my mouth shut, but the problem is it doesn't stay shut for long. And I told this brother, very nice man, I said, this is not a temporary thing. 
I said, one day Kip Box is going to be gone from Michigan. He's going to become the general overseer for the Church of God. And as long as you pastors will keep scheduling me, I'll keep coming to Michigan. And then this is where I should have stopped it and kept my mouth shut. I said, as a matter of fact, y'all might as well go ahead and get used to me because I'm going to start coming up here more often. And he said, well, Alabama to Michigan, that's a long way to travel. I said, it's two hours on Delta. And I said, but I'm coming up here. And I said, I hope some of you guys are going to start booking me. And I said, God put Michigan in my heart. And I'm going to start coming up here and preaching. And if you guys won't schedule me, I'm going to bring my own tent up, set it across from your church, and I'm going to have me a Holy Ghost revival. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to go and preach. I don't care if man opens up the door. I'm the wrong one to mess with. Well, we're not going to have you back. Well, that's fine. The Holy Ghost already gave me an invitation, and God has opened up a door that no man can shut. And the pastor, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, I just turned this man off. I've offended him. He's going to talk bad about me to all his Michigan friends. And he said, you know what? He said, when you come back in September, you're preaching for Wayne Terry a Friday night through Sunday night, right? And I said, yes. He said, as a matter of fact, at my church, our midweek service is not on Wednesday or Tuesday, but ours is on Thursday. He said, we're about 45 minutes from him. Why don't you come up a day early and you can preach for me before that? And I said, well, praise God. Thank you so much. And then all of a sudden, another pastor began talking to me. He said, hey, I heard you're preaching for Wayne Terry Friday through Sunday. He said, I heard that you're preaching for Ellis on Thursday. He said, Caleb, why don't you come up a day before Thursday and you can preach for me on that Wednesday? I want to tell you something, church. All it takes is somebody that's got a little boldness. All it takes is somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. And you got to understand something. When I told them I was coming to Michigan to preach anyway, that wasn't something that I was just saying. That's the way that I feel. You can't shut me out. You can't block me. Can I tell you something, friends? We need the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost doesn't endure you with power, doesn't just make you speak in tongues, but he gives you boldness to live for Christ. Mm. Paul, I love this man. In the book of Acts, Paul was beaten and arrested and it scared the soldiers when they found out he was a Roman because you're not supposed to beat a Roman without a trial so then all of a sudden the higher-ups they wanted Paul to go freely and quietly you gotta love Paul Paul said why don't they come and release us themselves Friends, I want to tell you, that was a bold man. The brother didn't care if he was in jail. My goodness, he turned a jail one time into a worship center. And then God opened up the door. And he ministered to a suicidal jailer, and the man got born again. Friends, I want to tell you something. We need to turn the power on. Well, how do you do that, Caleb? By praying. In the Holy Ghost. One thing that saddens me, a lot of people that have been in Pentecostal churches for 20, 30, 40, 50 something years, and they've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, so they start to question and wonder if it's real. I may have shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. Last year, um, 2018 in July, it was actually a year ago, 
this month. I went to preach in Cincinnati, Ohio, at a Church of God church at a Super Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. That Sunday night, I preached a sermon titled, Don't Let the Fire Go Out. And during, uh, during my altar call, during the sermon, I said, I don't care if you're six or if you're 66, the Holy Ghost can fill you here tonight. And there was a man that stood up and testified after the service. He said, Caleb, I got saved in the church in my mid-20s. I've been sitting in this church for the last 40 years. I'm now in my mid-60s. He said, I've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I know it's real. I believe in it because I hear my wife pray in tongues all the time. He said, but however, honestly, I gave up many years ago that I would ever receive it. But tonight when you said that you don't care if you're 6 or 66 that you can receive it, he said, Caleb, during the altar call, I started praying one more time. And I said, God, I want what that man of God has got. And if it's available, I want to receive it here tonight. And can I tell you something, friends? The man started praying tears started falling down his eyes the man was praying in English but hey just a few minutes later he wasn't praying in English anymore and the man received the baptism of the Holy Ghost mid 60 something years old I want to tell you something friends he's still feeling people another one that's always amazed me I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was 17 years old but however there was a girl at my church named Madeline Henson y'all know her now as Madeline Dye she received it I believe when she was nine years old I'm thinking to myself nine years old that's something else. My kids are seven. They're going to turn eight next month. And I'm going to tell you something. They ain't too young to receive it. We haven't prayed for it yet, but I'm telling you something. I'm about to lay hands on both of them and say, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Because I want my kids to know that what my father has isn't just something he uses on Sunday, but it's something he uses all throughout the week. I want to tell you something. I need the power on when I'm at work. I need the power on when I'm at church. I need it on when I'm at the grocery store. I never forget one time I was at Winn Dixie in Hueytown. It's now a Piggly Willy, and all of a sudden a woman she started to have a stroke right there in the middle of the store. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to go lay hands and pray for this woman. The same woman that asked me a few days ago about speaking in tongues. The next question she asked me, she said, Caleb, has there ever been a time when you've been praying with somebody and they got healed? She said, like right then and there. Have they got healed immediately or even soon there afterwards? And I began sharing with the woman testimony after testimony how God has radically touched people, how he's radically healed them, and how he touched me over 20-something years ago. Friends, I want to tell you now is not the time to turn the power off to think that more people will come and fill this place, but what we need is the Holy Ghost. Because when it's real, the Baptists will know it's real. The Methodists will know it's real. You will have atheists and agnostics walk into the sanctuary that say my goodness I never believed in God but all of a sudden here tonight I felt something I've never felt before how many of you know church we need to leave the power on I'll be honest I believe if more people are filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in it we wouldn't have so many little church fights over stupid stuff Amen. When you pray in the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit. Can I tell you, friends? When you pray in the Spirit, it's, a, it's awesome how God leads you and guides you and how things begin to work out. I want to tell you something, church. I just want to have revival 
that find a place where the Holy Ghost is moving. Amen. I want it right here in Alabama and Gardendale. I'm out off because this is where I'm from. This is where I live. I don't care if I got to go to Texas. I don't care if I got to go to Michigan. I don't care where I got to go. I just want to have a move of God. But can I tell you something? If we have the move of God in all these different places, but we can have it right here in Birmingham, Alabama. One thing that messes with me at times is we have people ask questions about Brownsville and Azusa Street. Will it happen again? Can it happen again? Of course it can happen again. But will it happen at every church? Of course not. There are some churches that I go to preach at and I think to myself, we need to keep going. I had one pastor ask me one time, pastor in Kentucky just a couple weeks ago. He said, Caleb, he said, will you extend revivals if asked? I said, well, I said a couple of things. I said, for one, if a pastor asks me, I have to pray about it. I said, two, it depends exactly when in the week you ask me. Because if I'm only scheduled to preach at another church the following Sunday, I need to let that other pastor know before Wednesday night so he can announce to his people I won't be coming. But I said, but even then, I said, I may not be able to be here that following Sunday, but maybe I can come Sunday night or maybe come back Monday. And then I told him this. I said, if somebody asked me to extend a revival or a meeting, I said, I will if I pray about it and I felt led. But I said, also, honestly, it kind of depends a little bit on the pastor. And he said, what do you mean? I said, to be honest, I said, this social media Facebook age, I don't want to extend a revival so some pastor makes some little cheesy Facebook post about, you know, revival, second week, third week, whatever. No, no. I want a real move of the spirit. Friends, I want to tell you something. You want to know where Brownsville went wrong? Or you want to know what started to happen? Now, keep in mind, that was in my lifetime, but however, I was a small child, so I had to watch documentaries on it. And, and one thing about it, it was phenomenal the move of God they were having there in Florida. You had people coming from all over the country. You had people drive from South Carolina overnight. The service wouldn't start till that night. You had people there literally sitting in the parking lot at four in the morning. As big as that church was, they would open up the doors and the building would literally be packed out full within 50 seconds. The power of God was moving. But you know what happened after a while? There, there, there was one person that said this. They said after a while, they started, it didn't start off this way, but after a while, they started to try to do things to keep it going. Friends, I want to tell you something. To have the Holy Ghost moving, you can't get it by singing a certain song. You can't do it by preaching a certain way. There, there, there's been people before that they've had altar teams, and I'm not talking about people that come forth and lay hands and pray with people, but they sit on the front row, and when the pastor gives the altar call, the whole team gets up and comes up to the altar every single service. I asked somebody about that one time. I said, why do they do that? Why do y'all do that? And they said, that way other people will follow as well. Well, I want to tell you something. When it's the real Holy Ghost, nobody's got to beg you. Nobody's got to plead with you. You don't have to play follow the leader, but simply you will feel the power of God, and you will want to experience what God is doing in the altars a move of God that's what we need the disciples had to be filled with the Holy Ghost to accomplish what they were able to accomplish they were being persecuted when I say persecuted I don't mean somebody 
lied on them one time and hurt their feelings. They were having their heads chopped off, being burned at the stake, killed, crucified. Paul was stoned in the middle of a city, drug out and left for dead. And the other disciples came and strengthened him. These were real things that these men were going through. And the only way they were able to finish strong was because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Friends, I'm going to tell you, if evangel is going to live up to its potential and do all that God has called you to do, we must continue to be a spirit-filled church. Do you receive that here tonight? If you would, please stand as I get ready to close. Some people don't want the Holy Ghost or they don't want to come to the altar during service because it makes them uneasy. It makes them uncomfortable. They just feel nervous. But understand, I want to encourage you here tonight to come forth. Nobody's going to do anything weird. Nobody's going to embarrass you. The Holy Ghost is not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. I can remember when I first came to the Church of God, I felt so uncomfortable in the altars. But then one day I said, God, I want what those people have. I may not understand it, but I know that it's real. You know, one thing funny is about my pastor, Larry Craig. I used to feel so uncomfortable praying with people. I've always been fine preaching, but in my early 20s back then, I'd done good if I could have just preached and just gave the microphone and let the pastor do the altar call. Praying for people made me so uncomfortable. But I can remember Pleasant Hill Church of God sitting on the third row. Brother Craig would give the altar call. Somebody would come forward. He'd look at me and he'd say, come here. Service after service after service. Thinking, who's this joker I think he is? I'm going to start sitting in the back of the church. Pleasant Grove Church, God's not a mega church, by the way. And all of a sudden, he started giving the altar call. He said, come here. And so I just got to the habit that every time the Spirit of God was moving, I was going to be in the altars. And can I tell you now to this day, it's not weird. It's not foreign. Sometimes I go forward to the altars when I'm not preaching and the guest minister that is preaching will say, brother, what do you need prayer for? And sometimes I just look at him and smile and say, I don't need prayer for anything. I just want to spend some time in his presence. That's what we need here tonight. For those of you that have never received the Holy Ghost, I'm talking about speaking in tongues. Understand, it's not difficult. It's not complicated. There's no special formula. All you have to do is seek God. I'm not going to tell you what to say. I'm not going to say P after me. But my goodness, you got to open up your mouth. You don't have to pray loud, but you've got to pray, period. My dad one time came forward for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He comes like this. I said, Dad, open up your mouth and pray to God like it's just you and him in the room. And he can fill you here tonight. So here tonight, whether you've been filled with the Holy Ghost or whether you never have, can we just spend the next few moments coming down to the altar and spending some time with him? 
And if you would like prayer and you have faith here tonight, come to me and I'd love to pray with you and Jonathan would as well. And we're going to believe God will fill you and that you'll be endured with power to be a great witness. Let's turn this city upside down for Jesus Christ.